For me to live is Christ For me to die is gain Every moment in between There'll be joy and there'll be pain I can't worry about the future Or change a thing about my past I've got this moment to believe And I'm gonna make it last I am filled To be emptied This is Pastor Michael Rogers from The Jar at 702 H Street Northeast in Ardmore, Oklahoma. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. Pray with me. Father, we praise you and thank you that you are here with us and that you are already aware of what it is that we need to hear. You are not surprised by our expectations, nor are you uh, scrambling around trying to figure out what you're going to do next. You have already planned this evening for us, and we thank you for that, God. And we ask that you would bless this time that we have to delve into your word. Father, remove Carrie and I from this teaching and help us to be true to the wisdom that you have so that the world can hear about your glory and not ours, so that they know your truth and not our opinion, so that they know how much you love them. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We've been talking about uh, gratitude this uh, month, and and uh, it's really just an opportunity for us to stop and remember that um, God has given us great power in this way. We get to choose our attitude. We get to choose how we are going to approach each day. Uh, He has given us all opportunity to learn what the right perspective is. uh, And he has done everything he can through his word to try to lift us to a heavenly perspective. But at the end of the day, we get to choose what attitude we're going to have. And so we've been talking this month about what it means to have gratitude for what God has done. And we started out talking about the gratitude of grace, that there is, uh, there is if, if for no other reason than that God loves us and that God has given us his favor even when we didn't deserve it, we should be grateful. And we talked about how important it was to have an attitude of grace, of gratitude and, and to live that way and to function that way. So we gave you different ways to do that, uh, to start a gratitude journal, to say, Every morning, start with three things that you're grateful for and then several other different ideas so that you would start getting into the habit. And then last week, we just, we just confronted each other with the concept that the good news of Jesus Christ should be enough for us to be grateful the rest of our lives. If all Jesus does is saves, save us and he never answers another prayer, it was enough and that we need to be grateful for that. Uh, but the truth is that uh, we, we really have, uh, we've waited until the third week to really explore the thing that people struggle with the most. And that is um, what happens when things aren't going well. Because the truth is, and we, uh, Carrie was reading in her commentary, and, and this is the first part of a sentence that she read in it, and it's a great sentence because it, it helps us to really think about what Jesus meant when he gave us the opportunity to live this life with him. But the first part of the sentence is pretty painful, and it's this. Christians do not have a different experience in life. Now, here's what I mean by that. Someone you know is going to die. Someone you know is going to go bankrupt. Someone you know 
is going to have a bad relationship. There's a good chance someone you know is going to be addicted. There's a chance that someone you know is not going to love you back. There's a good chance that you are going to cause someone else misery. You're going to hurt someone else. You're going to lie to someone you shouldn't. You're going to do things that you shouldn't do. You're also going to have events happen in your life that just don't just defy explanation. Accidents happen. Disasters happen. Tragedies happen. And in the middle of all of that, living the same life everyone else is living, we've got to learn what it means to have faith and to be faithful. And so that's what we're exploring today, is what it looks like to have a, an attitude of gratitude even when the world around us seems to be falling apart. And so here is our considered question. We always do a considered question. This is not meant for you to share with anyone. It's meant for you to just spend a little bit of time just pondering where God is taking you with this message. And so our considered question today is, how can we be grateful if things are going wrong? All right, so y'all hold on. That's a pretty solemn way to start, isn't it? <laughs> but hold on. We only gave you the first half of that sentence, okay? That's right. We're going to get to the end. So today we're going to start in, or actually we're going to focus in on John chapter 11. John chapter 11. So if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to those. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one from underneath the table or turn to your version app. Yeah. Um, but we are going to be in John 11, and I am so excited. Yeah. Despite the topic. Yeah. Because this story is awesome. <laughs> it is. It's toward the back end of the Bible, and it's um, it, it's one of the first books of the New Testament. So you're, if you open up about two thirds through, if you if you open up to a, a a book and you can't pronounce the name, keep turning right. <laughs> you're eventually going to get to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. Um, and so uh, that, that's the best way to be looking for it. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John, and then John chapter 11. And we're going to start with right with verse 1. We're going to do the whole story, but we're going to do it in bits and chunks. So I promise we won't be here for an hour and a half. Yeah, we won't have you here till 9, I right. promise. promise. I promise. Although one of the things we talked about when we were studying, we're like, oh, <laughs> We There's better, so we gotta much be good careful. stuff in this we chapter. Gotta we got to be careful right. not to go too long. So, And focus on what we're talking about, which is thankfulness, which we're going to get to towards the end of the story. But um, So if you're there, say amen. amen. Perfect. Good, good, good. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling them, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in the Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? And then Jesus replies. Okay. 
So let, let's set this up, and there are some things that we just want to get out of the way so that if there's any of you have questions about what Jesus is doing here, you aren't um, shocked by what he does. Um, Jesus really loves this, uh, this, uh, this man and his two sisters, and he, he, they show up several times in Scripture. Um, so I, I consider them friends of Jesus. They are, they are not disciples, but they are friends of Jesus, and they eventually got to where they believed in Jesus and, and everything that goes with that, but he really considered them friends. And so when Lazarus takes sick, at some point, Mary and Martha are like, we need to let Jesus know. And they send a messenger out. Well, that where Jesus was, he was close to where uh, John the Baptist was doing his baptizing on the Jordan River. And Mary and Martha and Lazarus are in Bethany. So there's a good chance that there's a day's travel between the two. So the messenger goes out and finds Jesus, probably takes him a day. Jesus waits two days, and then it takes him a day to come back. But later in the story, we're going to find out that Lazarus had been dead for four days, which means Lazarus was probably dead before Jesus ever heard about it. Mm -hmm. And Jesus waited around two days because he needed to make sure that he did not raise Lazarus on the third day so there would be no confusion as to who was the Messiah later. Lazarus is going to be raised on the fourth day, not the third day. So Jesus is waiting to protect his ministry. He's not waiting and just letting Lazarus suffer and die. Right. He also knows that death is not going to be the final result of this situation. That's right. As we're going to find out, right? Jesus already knows that he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And we're going to see that here in a minute. Yeah. Not to give the whole story away. Yeah. But the whole purpose of this is for the glory of God. Right? right. And if you yes. look at verse 5 and 6, it says, Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. And so he stayed two more days. Now that, for some people, for already believers, that could mess with your theology a little bit. Like, why didn't Jesus just immediately drop everything and go? Right? Because that word friend there actually means uh, philos or beloved friend. Yes. This is, just isn't somebody that Jesus knows. This is somebody he really cares about mm -hmm. and loves. Right? And, and Mary and Martha are like sister families. They're family to him. And so... You're like, he's the Messiah. He's the Lord. He can, he can raise anyone, right? He can do anything he wants. He's God. But why didn't he go? But here's the thing. Sometimes, and we all say this too, right? Sometimes you'll hear people say things like, well, if God, if you loved me, you would make me wealthy. God, if you loved me, you would heal me of this sickness. God, if you love me, you would get me out of this mess. But the truth is, and what scripture teaches from the beginning to the end, is that oftentimes God grows us through hard times. Yes. God matures us through suffering. God strengthens our walk through loss. And so, yes, at times God speaks with a still small vo voice. And you know that inner leading of the Holy Spirit informed by and guided by his word. But sometimes God has to pull out the loudspeaker. And that loudspeaker might be pain, it might be suffering, it might be hardship. The text tells us that Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, but that love went beyond physical healing, right? And Lazarus and keeping him in death. In fact, the most loving thing Jesus could do is exactly what he does. He shows them that he is God in the flesh. Yes. And that he has power over death in the grave. And he does something that shows them that he is the one and only Savior 
and sovereign Lord of all things. And so we're going to look at that further. Yeah, and he, he, he takes a risk here. They were already trying to stone him. And so going back to Judea at mm -hmm. all was a risk. And so he is making sure that he makes the most of that time. We're going to see that later in the story. Right. So if you briefly look at 8 and 9, it says his disciples, his guys, basically objected him going back. Like, you've already been gone for two days, and they may stone you again. They may try to hurt you again. Why would you want to do that now? And so then Jesus goes on to tell them, listen, this is, this is what needs to happen. Um, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and I will wake him up. <laughs> right? And the disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll soon get better. So they thought he was actually sleeping. They didn't realize he'd actually passed away. Right? So once again, they're, not, they're missing the whole picture. They're missing the big picture here. I love the salty right? Jesus. So he told them plainly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're not getting it. So here it is. Right. right. And we all need that sometimes. Correct. So then let's go down. Let's skip down to 17 then. So when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Now, why would Mary stay in the house? And you'll notice Martha and Mary respond in two different ways, right, to this grief. And to the fact that Jesus, it's been four days and Jesus didn't come when they thought he was going to come. So you've got Martha, who immediately runs out to her rabbi and says, Oh, Lord, I'm so glad you're here. Right? And she's, it's like she's grateful, she's glad, she's relieved, probably, that he finally showed up. She wants to feel his, his love, and he, she wants him to be there. But Mary is not too happy. Right? And I've always said this, anger is always, and I tell this all the people all the time, anger is always an emotion that's reflected from another emotion. Yeah, it covers another emotion up. Right? And so really what Mary's probably feeling here is she's disappointed. She's like, why didn't you come? It's my brother, and you didn't come and save him. Why didn't you come? And so Mary's response is to stay in the house. Right. Okay? Now, in this particular story, I am Mary. <laughs> This is probably something that I would have done. I would have been disappointed um, because I'm the kind of person that I am loyal till the end, right? It's just part of who I am. It's part of my inner being. So when somebody doesn't react the way that I feel they should react out of loyalty or love for me, I tend to be very disappointed in the person. It's something I struggle with. And so in reading this and seeing Mary struggling, I was like, girl, I got you. I get it. But here's the thing, though, and you're going to see later in the story, she comes out eventually. Yes. She doesn't stay in the house. She comes out. At the same time, Jesus doesn't go get her either. That's right. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. So I, where Carrie is more like Mary, I'm more like Martha. I, I think Martha is just as disappointed uh, in the fact that her, her brother died and maybe he didn't have to. They had seen so many people healed. There are so many miracles that God had done through Jesus. <clears throat> and this is somebody, they know Jesus loves them. They, they know that. Um, so why wouldn't he be there? So when she sees him, she says in verse 21, right. Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And that's 
So the difference here is I, I, I get disappointed, but then I get disappointed. I'm like, why did you do this? <laughs> you've got you've to give me an answer to why you did this. There's got to be a reason because I know who you are and I know what you, what you mean to me and what I mean to you. So there's, you, have to, you better have a good reason for what you've done, right? <clears throat> and that's completely different. But they're really two sides mm -hmm. of the same coin, aren't they? They're still coming from disappointment. So however we handle that terrible thing that's happened in our lives, disappointment really is what we most feel about God. Is what, God, why weren't you there? Right. Is how we feel. Right. So let's see what Jesus says. Martha, said, or Martha tells him that in 21. Then in 23, Jesus says, your brother will rise again. And it says, yes, Martha said in 24, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. So you can see even now she's she's misunderstanding. She's not seeing the full picture. Jesus is looking at her probably like, no, that's not what I meant. <laughs> right? Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? And what does she say? She says, yes, Lord. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. I think the NLT misses, uh, misses something here because Jesus, when Jesus says, I am the resurrection, um, he is actually playing off of her words. What Martha actually says in verse 24 is, yes, Martha said, he will rise uh, at the resurrection. And he says, I am the resurrection. So what, he, what he's telling her is the event isn't important. I'm what's important. The event happens because of me. I don't happen because of the event. And so I am the resurrection and the life. I am the reason he's going to rise on the last day. Not because someday there's a, a nebulous promise that's an abstract thing from God, but because I am who I am, this will happen. And then he says, do you believe me? And, I, and that's why I, I, I identify with Martha. I'm like, I really want to believe you. I absolutely want to believe you. I have no idea what that means. But I want to believe you, so I'm going to kind of hang with you here. I know you're the son of God. Let's, let's do this. And, and in, in doing that, it's a, it's a tiny step forward. But because she doesn't really understand what Jesus is about to do, it's not the whole step. She can't take the whole step because she still does not. She's looking at Jesus as if he's this small and he's this big. And she says, I understand this little bit here. So someday me and my brother are going to be reuni reunited. But she doesn't understand just how big Jesus is. Right. And that's why it's so important, right? We've said this over and over again. Why it's important for us to gather together and learn from each other. Yes. But why it's also important to stay in God's word. Mm -hmm. Right. Because we should always be learning more and more about Christ, knowing him better and better. I mean, I have been, I've told you guys this before. And like Michael, he, he came to Christ at 21. I've been in the church since I was probably two days old. Yeah. Okay? So 50 years of knowing who God is, and I am still learning mm -hmm. who he is, right? Growing in our knowledge and understanding of him and his wills and in his ways. And sometimes we can have a whole head full of knowledge, but the truths of Christ haven't really penetrated into our hearts. Mary and Martha knew that God had the ability to raise him from the dead. They knew he was the Messiah and the Lord, but they still misunderstood when he says, I'm going to raise him up. Yeah. 
I'm going to wake him up. They didn't fully understand. And so if we aren't living it out and it's not affecting how we live and think and what we do, there's still more work to be done, right? We still need to continue to learn who he is. Paul says it this way. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, and you know, I think the other thing he wants us to take from the point of saying, God, if you love me, you'll do this thing or this thing for me, right? When we talked, when I said that earlier is that we got to get to the place where we say, God, I know you love me because you sent your only begotten son, no matter what's going on in my life. God, I know you love me because no greater love has, has no man than this. Yes. That he would lay down his life for his friends. Um, and there's absolutely no doubt that he loves you and that you love him. And yeah, all through the gospel, God is trying, God, gospel of John, he's trying to show us that um, no matter what's going on, that Jesus is the prize. Jesus that, that is the heavenly goal. perspective. And it's all yeah. about Jesus, right? Yeah, and, and, and it, what we've said about Mary and Martha and their different reactions is true, but there is also a second reason why Martha may have gone to get Jesus and Mary stayed back, and that is that G- the Jews were looking for Jesus to kill him, and there were Jews from Jerusalem in their house. And so she would go, she, she was going out to him. So when she goes back to get Mary, I think she is realizing Mary really needs to talk to Jesus. And she's got she's to kind of prompt her, kick her out the door and say, go do that. But at the same time, if Jesus comes to the house, he may be in trouble. And so she's protecting Jesus. And we do that sometimes in how we pray. We try to protect God from being wrong. <laughs> so we are careful how we pray because we don't want him to get a bad reputation by not doing what we say he should do. And instead of just letting God be God, we try to protect him. And Jesus is like, I'm going to see those Jews eventually anyway, Mm -hmm. because they're going to see what happens and there is going to be a great response from that. Um, So if she had kept him from ever seeing the Jews, what happens later wouldn't happen. But at this moment, she's trying to protect Jesus by then sending Mary. Right. So Martha, if you look, Martha goes and gets Mary out of the house. Like, girl, come on. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Right? And I've had girlfriends in my life that have done that for me. Come on, Carrie. Yeah. Get out of the house. Yeah. Get over it. God loves you and you know it. So Martha comes to get Mary. Starting in verse 30 and through there, um, basically, Martha brings Mary. And when Mary arrives, she obviously, she falls at her feet. Verse 32, when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died, which is the real root of why she was why staying she was in the angry. house, That's right. right? But there's a crowd that comes with them, and they're consoling Mary. And I, and I, I find it interesting because then it says um, that the people were standing nearby, and some of them said, see how much he loved, she, he loved them, uh, Lazarus. But some said, this man healed a blind man, but couldn't he have helped Lazarus from dying? So there was some doubt there. Right, so there were some people standing around, kind of doubting who about what Jesus could have done or, or what he should have done, and all of those things. And so, let's see how Jesus responds. There's a couple of places there in the NLT where it says that Jesus was angry, mm-hmm. and I just want to address that. Remember, um, uh, what it is, he was deeply moved, and so one interpretation of that is that he was angry, the other is that he was so overwrought and moved by grief. Um, and I, I and I tend to believe the second one. I don't think he was mad. Mm-hmm. I think that he 
As God, he never intended for human beings to experience separation from him. Mm -hmm. He never intended for them to experience death. He knew that they were going to, but it wasn't his intention. He wanted them to experience eternal life, and he was moved. But I think the first time he's moved is because Mary finally comes out, and she lets her anger go, and she just wails at him. And he is so moved by that that he can hardly speak, and that's why the Jews respond the way they do. That's correct. And I think, too, remember what I said, anger is always a reflection of another emotion. And so mm -hmm. any of, of, if any of you have ever gone through grief, grief has five stages. There's a reason for it. So there's anger, right? There's disappointment, there's denial, and then there's acceptance. And so she's going through all of those things. She's just lost her brother. And then the Jesus who she loves didn't come and rescue him the way that she thought, right? But then also, what do we see here? Jesus is experiencing it too. Mm -hmm. He's experiencing grief, grief too, yeah. right? The human side of him is feeling what we feel when we lose something dear to us. And so I do think that that anger there may not necessarily be anger. It's more just that feeling of loss mm -hmm. and all those emotions wrapped up into one, right? Right. All right. right. So then let's see what happens. Let's get to the good part. Yes. Beginning in verse 38. Jesus was still, still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. In 39, he says, roll the stone aside. But Martha, but Martha. <laughs> the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. His brother is going to stink. <laughs> it's not a good idea. <laughs> I, she just said, I know you're the son of God. I know you can do whatever you say you're going to do. And then he says, roll the stone away. And she's like, accept that. <laughs> we do not want to do that. Jesus says in verse 40, Jesus responded, Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside, and then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, and here we go, Father, thank you for hearing me. Yes. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. And then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Yeah. Hallelujah. I am free. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. And, and it's, it's amazing because he, Jesus is saying this prayer. And I, I admit, I'm guilty of this with my kids. As I'm praying to God, sometimes I'm also talking to my kids. Does that make sense? Like, I'm, I'm saying something, but I'm saying out loud so my kids know this is what God expects from them, and this is how much God loves them. This is what grace looks like. I'm teaching them as I'm praying. And that's what Jesus does here. He teaches as he prays. Father, I, I'm going to say this out loud for everybody standing out here. Thank you, because you always hear me. So when this happens... Everyone in the place is going to know it's because God was listening to Jesus. Right. And so what is, the, what is the result of that? The result of that is to be thankful for God's purposes. Be thankful for God's purposes. No matter what trials, hardships, or storms of this life we may experience, we can trust that God has a purpose for every problem. I've had some pretty turbulent and trying experiences in my life. 
Michael and I have shared some of those with you guys before. But in the midst of them, it's impossible to see how any of it could have a purpose, especially a good purpose. But having come through that storm and being able to look back on it, now I can see where God, what God was doing in my life when I was Martha and in the house and wouldn't come out and then finally said, okay, I will come out and meet you, Lord, yeah. and let it go and gave it to him, the things that he was able to do, and he brought me out of those storms, and I would not be standing here today talking to you all with him if it wasn't for that. That's right. Okay. We had to go through that storm. And just like Martha, I, 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 in those same situations, was like, God, I know that you probably have a purpose for this, but I can't see it. What I understand of you is too small to cover this too. You, you need to enlarge my understanding of you in order for me to understand why you allowed this thing to happen. And I, you know, let's, let's just be honest. Sometimes that just takes time. Sometimes you don't get to understand right now. You have to have some separation from the hurt in order to go back and say, that's why I need to be grateful. So we're not asking anybody to be falsely grateful. I'm just going to be thankful because this trial probably is. But we need to recognize that every time we go through a trial, because he's with us and his purposes are good, that means that we can trust that there is something good coming from it. Right. The trials we experience are all different like a multicolored yarn that the weaver uses to make a beautiful rug. God arranges and mixes the colors and experiences of life, and the final product is a beautiful thing for his glory. So the first thing is to be thankful for God's purposes, and the next thing, furthermore, we need to be thankful for God's presence in every storm. Be thankful for God's presence. He says, so so like we said before in verse 41, Jesus said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. You always, he's, he's basically saying you're always I, there. I always have your attention. Mm-hmm. So Jesus did this right bef- before he brought Lazarus back to life, not after. Yeah. And I think that's important to notice too. He does it before he raises him, not after he raises him. Yeah. Okay. He's setting an example for us, Jesus says. We may not know what's going to happen in advance, which I think is the hardest part. Yes. But we know Whatever answer God gives us, it will be only what is best for us. And all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Yeah. And that's hard to it's hard to imagine when really all you have in the moment is, God, are you there? And sometimes we ask, God, are you there? And because we are so removed from him, we can't feel him. We don't know if he's there. So that's why we have to know and be have faith in our king that he is there even if we can't feel him, even if we aren't sure. We have to recognize that. That doesn't mean that he's moved. That means that something has come between us where we can't feel him. And that may not be outright sin. That may be grief. Mm -hmm. That may be disappointment. That may be anger. That may be things that are absolutely natural for us to feel. Jesus felt all of these things in this passage but to recognize that sometimes our emotions get in the way between us and our God in that communication, and it can feel like he's not there. Don't you believe it for one minute. He never leaves you. Right. If nothing else, write this passage down, Matthew 28, 20. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Matthew 28, 20. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Sometimes it feels like our world's coming to an end. 
that it's crumbling around us. You know, we've got debt collectors calling us. We've doctors given us the worst possible thing of, of family members sick or succumbing yes. to drugs or alcohol or whatever it is. Um, and you feel swallowed up in that storm or that trial. But remember that passage. I am always with you. And then also in Hebrews 13, 5, never will I leave you. No. Never will I forsake you. Right? He is the God of the universe, but yet he chooses to live and make our hearts his home. He didn't have to do that. He chose that because he loves you and he's promised he's never going to leave you. And he's never going to forsake you. That's one of my favorite things about the God that we serve. That's right. Is that he's made that promise. So first, be thankful for his purposes. Be thankful for his presence. And finally, be thankful for his power. God shows his power at the end of this story. Mightily. By raising Mo more than they expected. Back to life. Yes. Yeah. 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 Can you imagine how Jesus' followers felt at that moment? You know, they didn't fully understand. They weren't getting it. They were doubting. They weren't sure. They knew in their minds, but in their hearts, they were struggling, right? And in that moment, here comes this man who's been dead for four days, rising again. <laughs> and they, they have seen so much already. He walked on water. He fed 5,000 people one time and 4,000 another. Like, there's all of these things. Leprosy disappears, like all of these things. But this? Oh my goodness, this now, they now know he's king over everything. If he can raise Lazarus from the dead, y'all, he can help you. Whatever. With your anxieties, he can calm yes. your fears. Yes. If he has the power to raise you to life, somebody to life, he has the power to give you the courage that you need. And to decrease those fears and anxieties that you have. Amen. We have to remember that. The world's telling us. You know, oh, anxiety, anxiety. We hear that word all the time now, especially since the pandemic. And I'm not saying it's not real. And I know people are feeling yes, it. Yes, yes. But what I want to encourage you, empower you, and I feel like I need to say this to somebody on the podcast. God is bigger than your fear. He's bigger yep. than your anxiety. Yep. If he can raise somebody to life, yes. he can give you the calmness that you need. Just yes. ask him. Yes. Stop being angry. Stop hiding in the house. Come on. Come out of the door. Open the door. Put your toe out. Yeah. And say, Jesus, I know you're there. And I know you can help me with this. So don't be afraid to ask him. I feel like he can do I, mighty things. I, I also want to speak to you, Martha's out there. You know a Mary who needs to come out of the house. And you're the only one that can bring them out. Don't be afraid to go in and say, hey, it's time to come out and see Jesus again. So having said all of those things right? We want to be the church that shows God's glory to others. Right. We want to encourage you guys to remember the resurrection power that is living inside of you so that we can be the church that shows God's glory to others. Right. That's right. Let's look at what Paul says to the Thessalonian church. He says, dear brothers and sisters, we can't help but thank God for you because your faith is flourishing and your love for one another is growing. We proudly tell God's other churches about your endurance and your faithfulness in all the persecutions and hardships that you are suffering. Now, I love it because what he's saying is, we are watching you go through the mess, but because you are giving God glory in the middle of it, we can't wait to tell everybody else how you're handling this situation. 
And that would be enough by itself, wouldn't it? But he doesn't stop there. He says, and God will use this persecution to show his justice and to make you worthy of his kingdom for which you are suffering. See, it's not just that he applauds you whenever you go through a tough time and you still cling to him. He grows you right. in it. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're saying you should be grateful for, mm -hmm. is the growth that you go through when you are going through the rough times, the hard times, the times when you want to say no to him, when you want to leave him alone, but he just can't seem to manage it. And somehow he still draws you back to him. He still brings you into his presence and he still shows you that he loves you in spite of all the crud you just pulled. And he says, not only that, not only am I going to thank you for coming back to me and giving me glory, but I am going to grow you in it. I am going to help you to see me more clearly because of it. And that's, that's an incredible thing. Right. So let us be the church that Jesus says this about in Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when he returns, when I return. Right? So I know that Jesus wasn't writing this, but I want you to look at it as if he was talking to us, right? Yeah, yeah. Every time, you know, I, I, whenever I pray... I have joy for you. I have, I, I, I'm wrestling with this concept. I just want to throw this out there. So I am, but I think this is something that could be instructive for us. When God saves us, he saves us for us. When he sanctifies us, he does a lot of that sanctifying for everyone else. He, the reason he doesn't take us up into heaven right away is because he wants everyone to see us being made holy because that is what draws us in. The reason I am here is because there were people who were working on their uh, salvation with fear and trembling, and I saw it and wanted some what they had. And that same goes for us. That's what, that's what being a disciple maker is about, is starting to apply the things that God has shown us in such a way that God's glory is revealed to the people around us so we can say something to them. And I believe that's true. But I'm also wondering if we, we are perfected by Christ and we have the promise of his return, and we don't add that into the gospel enough. We don't talk enough about the fact that Jesus is coming back for all of us and that all of this misery is going to end someday. And there is going to be a perfect place for us to stay all the rest of eternity with him in joy. But maybe we're not ready for it yet. Maybe God needs to peel some pieces off of us first before he gets us to that place. And maybe our sanctification is about preparing us for that eternity down the road. Yes, it is for them, but it is still also for us. He is showing us the, the person he always meant for us to be. And we get closer and closer and closer to that until the day that we see him in person. And then we will be everything that he promised us we could be. Right. So in collusion, we have so much to be thankful for, right? Mm -hmm. Especially in this country. I'm thankful for my husband. I'm thankful for my, thankful for my children. We're going into Thanksgiving this week. I'm excited because I got that on tape. Yeah. I'm thankful for turkey. Yeah. I'm thankful for pumpkin pie. Yeah. It's a coming. Yes, yes. With whipped cream. Amen. I can do a turkey call. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I can do a real turkey. Uh, 
Yeah, give it to us, Dewey. <laughs> I had to do the screw one time. There we go. All right. There it is. We're getting ready. Now you're ready for Thanksgiving. All right. But the big thing is I'm thankful for a God who sees me through the storms of life. Yes. Right? I'm thankful for so many things, but I'm thankful that he, he's with me always through the storms of life. So are you thankful for the purposes and plans of God? Are you thankful for the presence of God in your life? Are you thankful for his unlimited power and sovereignty? So here's... That sentence finished. Christians do not have a different experience in life. Rather, we experience life differently. Amen. We see it from the heavenly perspective, not from the earthly perspective. We see people from a heavenly perspective, not from an earthly perspective. We see circumstances from a heavenly perspective, not an earthly perspective. And that means we also experience trials and tragedies and challenges and struggles with a heavenly perspective. Right. Our hope in Jesus does not insulate us from yes, life's difficulties. Right. You know, and I've said this here and I've said this to my, I say this a lot in the, in the job that I do, but God never promised us that we wouldn't go through trials. He never promised that life would be always easy all the time, but he did promise what we just talked about a while ago, which is I will never leave you or forsake you and I am always with you. <laughs> And I will always be there. And all of these crazy things are working for your good. That's right. If you enjoyed our teaching today, we have great news. On January 7th, the JAR will be adding a second gathering. Starting with the new year, we will offer two times on Sunday. The new one at 10.30 a.m. and our current one at 4 p.m. Come learn how to be a disciple maker as God fills us so that we can empty for others. I am filled to be empty.